Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. So Ephesians chapter number 4, we will begin reading in verse 11. And the word of the Lord reads, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint to which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. 16th century um, reformer and pastor, John Calvin once wrote, The church is the gathering of God's children where they can be helped and fed like babies and then guided by her motherly care, grow up and mature into maturity of the faith. A.W. Tozer says, The heaviest obligation lying upon the Christian church today is to purify and elevate her concept of God until it once more is once more worthy of him. Well, I want to welcome you back this morning here to First Baptist Church. Today is again another special day uh, because last week was anniversary Sunday. We celebrated our 79th year as a local church, and we uh, spent a little bit of time looking back um, at our past and where we came from. And, and if you remember last week, we did something a little bit special because uh, we talked about uh, one of our members who really was was instrumental in keeping the church alive. It was B. Reed, and um, and so we'd asked you guys to just take a time and write a little note to her. Uh, we gave you the little sheet and the, the envelopes and stuff, and uh, she called this weekend, and I just actually got off the phone with her just in between services, and she was just really very, she actually thought at first I was one of her grandchildren, and she was just talking to me, and she was just bragging on the church. She goes, oh, they were just so thoughtful, and they sent all these letters, and you know, and she just relived that whole experience again. And, um, it just was really wonderful. I just want, I just, first of all, I want to say thank you as a you know, as your pastor, that really means a lot to me that you would just kind of rise to that occasion to really speak into her life that way. And um, she was just really blessed by by all your letters. And so um, I just I thank you for that. But uh, but uh, but anniversary Sunday is really looking about looking back. Well, today Vision Sunday uh, is where we're going to spend some time looking forward. Now, um, the last couple of years for Vision Sunday, it's what we've kind of done is uh, I just kind of made it a part of our normal service. Uh, where we'd be in a series, and whatever part we're in, we just put like a little bit of Vision Sunday on the front of that, and then off we go, right? And that we would just continue on with our service, okay? Well, this Sunday, we're doing things a little bit differently, because what we're actually doing is we're hitting that kind of like the pause button on our uh, series right now that we're in called uh, Hashtag Blessed, um, because today I really want to spend some time with you talking about the vision and the direction that I believe that God is leading First Baptist Church of Boron, because there is no secret um, that things are happening here at First Baptist Church. God is at work right now in the lives of those who are are here right now, and I believe that it shows in our community, uh, and not only in the numbers. And, and I mean by the numbers is you know we're 
right now 15% in attendance higher than we were, you know, this time last year. And that's been uh, that way all across um, th- this whole year. And not only is giving, you know, it, giving is also up. It's, it's In fact, we're on track to exceed last year's giving as well, right? And so the numbers certainly bear it out. But that is not the metric that I really care about. Where it shows, it's not just the numbers, but it shows um, in specifically in the transformation of people's lives. Um, when we talk to the advisory board, when I spend, you know, one of the things I make really clear to them, no matter what we do, my goal isn't numbers per se. My goal is to see lives changed, lives transformed for the gospel of Christ. And, and God has been, dis- been transforming people's lives here at First Baptist Church. Young, old, single, married, male, female. God is visibly at work transforming the lives of those who are part of this, part of First Baptist Church. There are many, many pe- more people here who walk with God and take it more seriously than before, right? More people read the Bible more consistently than they have before. More people are in prayer more often than before. More people are taking what they're learning in church and actually taking it and applying it to their lives than before. And we can see it. I can see it, right? I can see the growth in your lives. I can see that the changes that are being wrought in your lives. And, and, and other people can see it as well. People inside the church can see it, and people outside the church can see it. People are taking notice of what, what's happening here and in your life. We as a congregation are moving closer towards spiritual maturity. And this growth towards maturity is bearing fruit in, in your lives, is bearing fruit in our community, and is bearing fruit in the church itself. And all of that... Every bit of that, I believe, is in, in alignment with God's plan and vision for this congregation. And we have, what we have to understand, though, is this spiritual growth, this maturing of our collective faith. It is absolutely wonderful, but it is also going to lead to change, right? Things will naturally change around us as we grow, individually and collectively. Because think about this. God does not save people to save them. As strange as that may sound to you, God does not save people simply to save them. He saves them for a reason. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, right? We, we, we love that. We, we love Ephesians chapter 2 because it has a great promise, but we forget the last part of it. Let me read this for you. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. There's the promise. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not the result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Look at this. For something. For good works which God prepared when beforehand. It's already prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. See, God saves people for a reason. He doesn't save them just to leave them where they are in their life just like they are. He saves them to transform them. He saves them and transforms them for a reason. And that reason is bigger than their own salvation. And God does not grow people spiritually simply just so they can grow up, right? So that they can, so they can just simply just be mature in their own lives. God grows people to maturity for a purpose, for a reason. God grows churches and he grows people for the same reason. God has a purpose for that. And let me just tell you, okay, God has a purpose for the growth that we're experiencing right now here at First Baptist Church, Right? We're not growing here just to grow. We're growing because God has a purpose for that growth. God has a reason for that growth. He has a direction. He has something that he wants to do with that. 
And God's purpose will always be fulfilled. And so because of God has a purpose and because of the growth that we see in, in our lives as individuals and in the church body, because of that growth that we, that we're go, that we, we have, we are absolutely going to experience change. And that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. We're going to talk about some of the changes that the church is going to go through as we go along. And I know that you've seen change, right? Over the last five years, there has been change. You have seen it, right? And there was also change during Tom's time when he was here for seven years. I know that it was different when I first got here than when, when he left, all right? But over the last five years, we've had some very visible changes. We've changed the way we look. We've changed the colors, right? Um, hopefully next week we'll have new carpet in here. We've changed the windows. We've changed the roof. We've changed the bulletin. We've even changed our logo. We've changed the way we do services. We've changed the way we do potlucks. We've changed the way we do kids ministry, the way we do VBS. And we've even progressively, slowly changed the way that we do worship music. I don't know if you noticed, but we kind of slowly made our way up there now, right? Little changes. We've made lots of changes And we'll continue to make changes because change is a natural, natural part of growth. It's a natural part of becoming mature. Now, sometimes people fret and get frustrated and upset about change. And and some of those people's me. I get frustrated by change, right? I mean, I naturally resist change. I hate it when my software on my phone updates by itself because it changes things, right? It changes the way my phone looks. It changes the way my apps work, right? I hate it, right? I hate it when, when the app you know, that I have online changes. I mean, we have a church database that's online. It's all like in the cloud. I get to where I like it. I, it, it, I know where everything's at. And guess what they do? They change it. Right? They update it. Right? They upgrade it. It's supposed to be making it better. And I hate it. I get frustrated. Right? I like things how they are. But here's the thing. We all have to accept that change is inevitable. Change in our lives is ineb- inevitable. You're changing right now as we speak. You can't stop it. Change in your life is inevitable. And change in the church is inevitable. Change is the part of who we are. If we're not growing and changing, then we are stagnating and we're dying. That goes for people. That even goes for churches. And we see plenty of that around us. Okay? I mean, there are several churches around us in our community that are dying a very slow and painful death. Just drive around town. You can see it, right? Churches that are starving to death, they're dying, you know, and they're simp- because they simply refuse to change. You have people that will say, we've been doing it this way for 40 years and we don't see no point in changing it, right? People that just get dug in. They refuse to adapt. They re- refuse to think differently. And when I say adapt and think differently, I'm not talking about changing the message of the gospel, Okay. I'm not talking about changing the foundational orthodox teachings of the church. That is unchangeable, right? Because the fundamentals of our faith can't be changed. We cannot change the fact that the word of God is inspired, authoritative, and inerrant. We can't change the fact that the gospel is the gospel. We can't change the fact that we are all, every one of us, born children of wrath. We can't change the fact that our only hope is to repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ. We can't change the fact that God exists as a trinity. And that Jesus is fully God and fully man. We can't change the fact that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and three days later rose again literally and physically. You can't change the essential doctrines of our faith, but we can certainly change the music style. 
We can certainly change our hairstyle, except maybe I can't, right? Or Robbie. We can, we can change how we do classes. We can change how we do ministries. We can t- change how we do Bible studies. We can certainly change how we, how we do bulletins and, and how we do lots of things. And we should change those things. Those other non-essential things should be looked at and changed and adapted as needed. That's part of growth. That's part of being a healthy church. But so many churches refuse to change. They get so dug in. Right? They don't want to change. In fact, I have a really good friend of mine who, who is a leader in his particular church. And, and he, he told me that like one day he just thought it would just be nice to just rearrange a little bit of the furnishings in the church. Just give it a little fresh look. Kind of change things up a little bit. You know? And what he did is in the process, he took the, the cross and he moved it from one side of the room to the other side of the room. Okay? And, and, and when, it, when that happened, people walked in and were like, oh, somebody moved the cross. Right? Oh my goodness, they moved the cross, right? It has always been over there. Now it's over there. As if the Bible says, thou shalt have the cross on the right side of the room and not the left side of the room, right? Now we chuckle and, and, and we laugh about this, but these people were really frustrated and visibly upset about that change. They got so dug in over the tiniest little change kind of rocks their world. Right? And when the church gets dug in like that and it refuses to change or consider to change, churches stagnate and die. And it happens all across America. The reality is we need not get caught up and frustrated about change. We need to embrace it. We need to embrace the vision of the church. We need to embrace the fact that God is alive. He is at work. And, and things are going to change. God's work in us is going to force us to change because we are all growing we're all growing up spiritually speaking that means changing it's like growing up physically kids don't grow to maturity without changing if you're a parent you know what i'm talking about right mckaylee can, can i remember when kaylee was a little blue-eyed girl right now she stands up there and i'm looking at all the boys going i'll shoot you if you touch her you know what i mean <laughs> right i mean because she's she's changed she's a little woman now right it's, she's maturing, right? She's growing up. I don't mean, I might, I might mean that a little bit, but <laughs> the fact is she's changed a lot. It's a part of the process and the same spiritually speaking. We're all growing up spiritually. We are all changing. And that means that as you grow, some of you are going to grow into leadership positions that you didn't have before, didn't think that you could do. Right? And some of you are going to become leaders in areas that we don't even have leaders yet. We're going to have to create new positions because they don't exist yet. Right? And as new leaders and new, new fresh people who come to the, to the table, there'll be new and different ideas about how to get things done. And, and, and we're going to expand our capabilities. We're going to expand how we help people. We're going to expand how we minister to our communities. We're going to find new ways to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to find new ways to let the, com- the community of Boron know that we really love them with all our heart for real. But that requires change. And one of the things, one of the big changes that we have um, is coming up next week. Now, We've already kind of started the two-service thing just to kind of test it out. But it's official next week. We've rolled it out. We've already advertised it. We've got a little sign that we're going to, we're going to put up after the service you know, that, that officially says our service times are 9 and 11. We're, you know, we've made that change. We've committed to it. Why? Why are we changing? Because our church is growing. Right? 
We have a choice to make. Either we can be obstinate and we can just continue to pack people in here when we get really busy, right? To the point where people feel uncomfortable to walk in the room. Or we can just expand to two services. We can either resist change and keep doing what we're doing. Or we can embrace change and expand our ability to reach more people. And that's the direction I believe that God has has led us to. We have two services now. We've expanded the ability for people to come in here and worship God. We've doubled our capacity to reach more people for the gospel of Christ. I think that's great. And what I want you to understand is if we keep growing, if we have to end up going to five services, that's what we'll do, right? At least until the point we have to build a new building, which is a whole different topic we'll get to when we get there, right? But the reality is, is change is inevitable and it's a necessary part of the process. So things are going to change. Things are going to continue to grow as people grow. And so today I want to spend some time with you just talking about the growth and and talking about the future of First Baptist Church. And I want you to see kind of like the vision of where we're going as a church. But before we really get there, I really need, I think, to start with um, our vision and our mission statement. And, and I want to I want to talk to you about you know where those came from right and and, and I want to talk to you about how the mission and vision statement came about and how those two things are going to influence and shape how we approach the future. Now, the mission statement for First Baptist Church is very simple. It is this: it is to create spiritually maturing Christ followers. That's our mission. We're to create spiritually maturing Christ followers, which means we're going to help people come into a life-saving relationship with Jesus, and then we're going to help them to grow spiritually as they follow Jesus Christ. That is the mission. And I know a lot of people get confused about the mission. They misunderstand the mission. But that's our mission. Our mission is to create, right? Our mission is to be a church body that, that produces spiritually maturing Christ followers, right? That's, that's what we do from our church body to teachers, to pastors, to the ushers, to the worship leaders, to the curriculum that we pick out for our church-wide campaign we do once a year, to the paint colors. Everything we do is all aimed at this one mission to create spiritually maturing Christ followers, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about that and how we got that mission statement a little bit. But, but our mission statement isn't to feed hungry people. Though that's something we do. Our mission statement isn't to provide counseling to everyone, though we counsel lots of people. Our mission statement isn't to provide clothes for kids, though that's something that we do, right? Our mission isn't to create a bunch of rule followers. Our mission isn't to, uh, to convince people that everything in your life is just going to be better right now if you'll just give your life to Jesus. That's not the mission of this church. The mission of this church is to create spiritually maturing Christ followers, to help someone come into a relationship with Jesus and to become spiritually maturing as they follow Christ. Someone who's growing in their faith every day and growing in their, their, their understanding of Jesus every day. And like I said, we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. But in addition to the mission statement, then there is the vision statement that we have. And the vision statement is really the picture that guides us to become the kind of church that achieves that mission. And our vision statement, the picture of our church is this. We're a loving community of Christ followers, which is the very first line. It's the, the preamble, the foundation, right? We're a loving community of Christ followers. We're people who are following Jesus and we come together in a community, in a family, and we are loving. We love each other. 
We love people outside the church. We love with a reckless abandon. We love the way that Jesus tells us to love. And we love everything that Jesus says for us to love, even our enemies. All right? We're a loving community of Christ followers, and we're passionately in pursuit of Jesus, meaning we are following Jesus with our whole heart, right? That this pursuit of Jesus consumes us. It's what defines us. It's what we think about. It's what we dream about. In every part of our life, we are passionately pursuing Jesus. This idea of pursuing is we're running after him with all of our strength, right? So we are passionately pursuing him, and then we are deeply connected to one another, meaning we're not casual acquaintances here. We are connected to each other on a deeper and more intimate level. We're not just friends. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family. We're a spiritual family, God's family. Let that sink in. If there's one thing that I say today that changes your whole life, that we are family, that would change everything the way we treat each other. We are a family deeply connected to one another, and then we are completely committed. We are completely sold out. We are completely on board with sharing the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples, not of just a couple people you know, of all the nations. All the nations. That's what we're about. We're completely committed to sharing the hope of Christ with our community and our world. That's how we become spiritually mature and Christ followers, by the way. We're a loving community of Christ followers. We're following Jesus. We love each other. We love Jesus with a passion. We are deeply connected to one another, and we go out into the world, and we share this message of Jesus with other people. That essentially is who we are at First Baptist Church. That's who we are aspiring and growing to be. And the reason why we have these values here and the reason why that these are our vision and mission statements is because of what we see in Ephesians chapter 4. In fact, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 4 again, but, but listen to Paul's words in light of now the things that I have just shared with you. Verse 11 begins, And he, Jesus is who he's talking about, And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, if you're going to understand where Paul's coming from here, you've got to understand how Paul writes his letters. Okay, this letter right here, just like most of Paul's letters, starts off very theological, and then he moves to practical. Right? Okay, it's as if Paul says, now that you know this, this is what you do with what you know. And this letter is no exception. The first three chapters of Ephesians are very theological. Right? 
And then the last three chapters are very practical. And so in chapter 4, there's a very practical application for our lives as individuals and as a church. And that practical application is to become mature in the faith. That's what he's saying. We are to become spiritually mature. In fact, Paul says, he says, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. It means to become fully grown, fully mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then it says, we are to grow up, pretty plain, grow up in every way into the head, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In this, these couple of verses, I want you to notice the key words here. Unity, okay? Mature. Mature manhood, fullness, grow up, body, love. You see, you can, you can see there's an overarching theme to this particular text right here. And that overarching theme here, that God, that God wants his people, God wants his church to grow to maturity. Now, why? Why is maturity so important? Well, because, number one, God wants us all to grow to be like Christ. Paul says that the aim is to grow to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we are to grow to be like Jesus. That's part of spiritual maturity. That's why maturity is important. You can't be mature without being like Christ. And this echoes what Paul teaches in Romans chapter 8 where he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. That word means to be like pressed into like like a mold. They're conformed into the image of his son, right? It is God's purpose for your life and the life of every Christian to become more and more and more like Jesus and less like the world. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 12, do not be conformed, pressed into the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God wants us to be like Jesus. That's the first reason we need to be more mature spiritually. The second reason that growing to maturity is important is so that we reach the unity of the faith. That we reach, as, as, as Christ followers, unity of the faith. That we are not simply gathered here together as strangers. We are his family, his body. He wants us to be one. He wants us to be united. He wants us to be united in our essential, uh, the essential elements of our faith. United in our common love for God, united in our love for each other, united in our desire to see the glory of God spread around the world. We're to be united in our faith. Unity is a sign of maturity. Disunity is a sign of immaturity. Why do churches split? Immaturity. Why do people get offended and leave a church? Most of the time it's immaturity. 99.9% 99.9% of the time isn't doctrinal issues. It's just because somebody said something they didn't like. And because they were so immature, they had to leave. They just can't take it. Can't understand that we have to got to reconcile ourselves to our brothers and sisters in Christ. That we have to put away our grudges and have grace and forgive each other. God desires not a factional, broken, fractured church. He wants a unified body of believers. Number three, the third reason why spiritual maturity is important is because maturity increases the knowledge of the Son of God in the believer. 
Because you cannot grow up spiritually unless you grow in your understanding of God. And that understanding of God not only produces maturity, but it also produces the fruit in your life. The more you know about Jesus, the more you'll like Jesus, the more your, your life resembles that and it bears fruit. That's why that fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about. That's who Jesus is. We're to grow to be like that. And then number four, the, the fourth reason why, we, why maturity is important is so we may no longer be tossed, be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Spiritual maturity helps us to get past these things because in, as immature believers, we're vulnerable, right? We're susceptible to all kinds of ideas. Like, for instance, how many of you guys, like, watch the eclipse? I don't mean literally watch it because your, your retinas will be burned out right now. So, okay. But we've experienced it on, you know, yeah, we saw it on TV. All right. Well, there are a lot of Christians that were really worked up about this and upset about this. They're like, oh, my goodness, the judgment of God is upon us because of an eclipse. Right? The world's going to end right now. In fact, there, there are even pastors who have hyped this event up. They've written books about it. They get people all worked up about it. But it's all just immaturity. In fact, check out this short little clip right here. What? Once again, neither a lunar nor a solar eclipse is a sign of judgment, no matter what these loony false prophets say. Because the Gentiles go by the sun for their calendar, a solar eclipse represents judgment coming upon a nation. A lunar eclipse, because Israel goes by the moon, refers to judgment coming upon Israel. That's not anywhere in the Bible. But what about where it says the sun will be darkened and the moon turned to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord? These are references to supernatural signs in the heavens, but eclipses are natural and calculable. NASA has mapped every eclipse that will occur for the next 1,000 years. They know exactly where they will be visible from down to the mile and how long their duration will be down to the second. How are they able to do that? Because they're prophets? No, and neither are these other guys claiming eclipses are signs of judgment. God created the sun and the moon for signs and seasons. Signs in this context meaning memorial or holy days. So since they mark time, they run like, well, clockwork. Psalm 8.3 says, I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Psalm 104.19 says, He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun knows it's time for setting. Eclipses are not signs of judgment. They are a wondrous spectacle of God's created order. John 3.19 says, The appearing of Christ is the sign of judgment. So repent and worship Him before He appears a second time to judge mankind. But if the Lord tarries, expect the next eclipse to happen on time, as God ordained it when we understand the text. You see, spiritual immaturity can lead many Christians to believe things are not true, right? There's like this crazy uh, Christian lady you know, on YouTube uh, who's like running around like telling everybody that the logo on the Monster Energy Drink can is like the Hebrew symbol for 666, which is absolutely preposterous. And then there are those Christians who, who, uh, who are so dug in. There are actually a group of Christians who are so dug in. They believe that if you cannot read the King James English version of the Bible, no matter what part of the world you come from, what language you speak, if you can't read the English version of the King James Bible, 
you can't be saved. I mean, just all kinds of nonsense. I mean, or those people who claim to be Christians who believe that, that God was once a man like us. And that one day that, that if they're good enough and they do all the right things and they go to some temple and learn some secret handshakes, that one day that they too will be gods as well. That is spiritual immaturity. When you are spiritually mature, you have grown in your knowledge of God and the things of God, and you're able to discern the truth from error. Now, the fifth reason why spiritual maturity is so important to us is because it builds up and it strengthens the body of Christ. And the reason why this is so important is because the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the local church, hear me on this, the local church in the church universal is God's instrument that he is using right now to bring salvation to the rest of the world. It is not through parent church ministries. It is not through individual people. It is through the local church and the universal church. As the song that we sing says, speak, O Lord, till your church is built And the earth is filled with your glory. The church is God's instrument that he uses to reach the world for the gospel. He is using the church to save souls and to fill the earth with with his glory. And we we cannot get there without being spiritually mature. And so, in summary, God wants us to be spiritually mature as individuals and as a church because spiritual maturity means becoming like Christ Maturity means being unified in our faith. Maturity means growing up in the knowledge of Jesus. Maturity means that we are able to resist false doctrines and teachings. And maturity means that we are able to build up God's church to save others and bring glory to his name. Now, the question that that follows this is how do we grow to maturity, both as individuals and as a church? Well, the answer actually is in the text. Um, Paul says he, or Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now understand what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying is that Jesus gave the church both local and the universal body of believers. All right? He gave the church specific gifts and leaders to achieve the building up of the body of Christ. And the first thing that Paul mentions here is he gave the apostles. Now, we need to be really clear because when he says the apostles here, Paul is referring to people like Peter, James, John, and people like himself. Right? He says that he gave that that Jesus gave to the church all right, the apostles. And, and, and he gave them because they teach us about the faith. Because that's what the apostles did. They lived with Christ. They experienced Christ, you know, personally like, like Paul did. Right? And then they taught the, uh, the church everything they knew about Jesus. And we praise the Lord that those teachings were preserved and recorded for us in the Word of God. The apostles' teachings are still with us today. And so we actually have the apostles with us. The church has the apostles with us through the Bible. Now, there are some people who will say, well, there have been apostles since then. And in fact, there's even some, some people who, who said that there, there are apostles today. And there are, in fact, it's some people who claim to be Christians that call themselves apostles. And what I have to say about that is nonsense. Okay? When John, the apostle John died, he was the last apostle. 
right? And there have been no more apostles since that time. There are no living apostles today, and there will not be any more apostles. We don't need them because their truth has already been preserved. We have the witness of the apostles, their teachings already in the Bible. And so those apostles teach us about Christ, and they help us towards spiritual maturity. Now, other gifts that are found in this text are a little less controversial. Okay? Jesus says, it says that Jesus gave the apostles, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Now, these three, last three here, are, are very real and ongoing leadership roles in the church. The evangelists, okay? Those are the people who go out and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring people to faith, right? The teacher, they instruct people in the word of God and teach them to and disciple them and help them to grow. The shepherd or the pastor is the one who tends the spiritual needs of the congregation. Now, these three leadership positions are gifts that God has given <clears throat> to the church. And, and different people will manifest these gifts and in, in, in leadership positions in differing kinds of degrees. For instance, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, there's an online spiritual gifts test that I kind of like sent some of you guys online. Okay. All right. Well, that, so I did this spiritual gifts test many years ago. Um, and in my particular spiritual gifts um, in order are to be pastoring and teaching Secondary gift then would be to be an evangelist, which means I do evangelize the lost, but my primary role is to teach and shepherd the flock. That's the ministry that God has you know, entrusted me with. It's what he's equipped me to do. All right? okay, so that's what I do here. Now understand, what, with that, you have to understand what Paul's driving at here. He says, God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, notice what he says, to equip the saints. Who are the saints? The believers. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are a saint. Not because you're saintly. It's just because Jesus made you clean. Okay? So you're a saint. So he did this to equip the saints for what? The work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Here's what Paul's saying here. He is not saying he gave pastors and teachers to the church so they can build up the body of Christ. That's not what he's saying. He is saying that he gave pastors and teachers to the church in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, Paul, what he's getting at here is that it is the believer's job. It is the saint's job. It is your job to do the work of the ministry, the building of the body of Christ. You see, everybody, once you become a Christian, is destined to be part of the ministry. Maybe not full-time vocational ministry, but we are all, every one of us, called into ministry. How many of you called into ministry? Raise your hands. All of you. That's right. If you believe in Jesus, raise your hand. All right. You're called into ministry. Okay? We are all, every one of us, called into ministry. Right? And it's the pastor's job to equip, to equip them and to teach them. It is my job to teach you the Word of God. It's my job to create opportunities so you can learn. It is my job to equip you. Right? And not simply so you can just sit in chairs and listen to some music and, and, and hear a motivational speech. It is my job to equip you, to give you the tools you need to get up out of that chair and to go out and get busy ministering and serving each other in order to build up the church body of Christ. That is why our mission here at First Baptist Church is what it is. Our mission is to create spiritually maturing Christ followers, people who love Christ 
people who have a relationship with him and people who are being equipped and maturing in their equipping so they can get busy building the body of Christ so we can all attain maturity. That's where the mission statement comes from. And our vision statement follows from that. We are a loving community of Christ followers. We are a loving body of believers. And we are passionately, with all of our hearts, following Jesus, wanting to know him better, wanting to be more like him. We are chasing him. We are following him with all of our strength wherever he leads us. And not only that, we're deeply connected to each other. We are a family. We are part of the same body. We work to build each other up. We work to strengthen each other, to share each other's burdens, to love each other. We, we help each other onward towards Christian maturity. And we are all completely committed to sharing the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ with our world. We believe the Great Commission is not a suggestion, that it's a command from God. And we know that it is our evangelistic efforts that through that, that God will continue to build his church locally and also globally. That's the picture of where we're going here at First Baptist Church. That's who we are aspiring to believe to be. And believe me, we've already made some significant um, progress toward that aim. Because I believe that we are a loving community of Christ followers. I think we're probably the lo- most loving church I've ever been a part of. Right? There are just people in this church that have taught me what it really means to love as a Christian. And I think that that's really kind of like become the culture here. Um, and many of you, maybe not all of you, but many of you are pursuing passionately Jesus in your everyday life. And many of you have grown up and grown very close to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And many of you have made a point to get to know each other and build deep relationships, right? And some of you, not all of you, but some of you have bought into this great commission, This commitment to share the hope of Christ with our community and our world. We've made progress toward this vision. It's beginning to bear fruit in our church. But but we're going to continue to grow towards that in the coming years. But but how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do that by focusing on five important things. And so we're going to get real practical. I'm just going to tell you what the church is going to be up to for the next couple of years. Number one. We're going to focus on our leadership team. We have a great leadership team, by the way. We have lots of people who give lots of their time and energy, and we get together typically try once a month to kind of encourage each other and lift each other up. Um, there, we get a lot of things done, um, but we have people that are pretty well maxed out. I mean, they, they just don't have the ability to do, to do more, right? Uh, but, but believe me, there's still lots to do. So we're going to work on building up our leadership team here at First Baptist Church. And one of the areas we're really going to focus on is we're really going to pray out, and we're going to really focus on building up our deacon board once again. Um, because, because a deacon actually is a, is a real, official, biblical church office. right? And a deacon's primary responsibility is, is practical operations of the church. right? In fact, for instance, Richard Miller, he's, he's the one deacon we have right now. All right? And what he does, his, his ministry that he does here in the church is he meets people's physical needs. He operates the, the food pantry. He keeps it organized and he manages that. But he also helps people with, with rides. He makes sure that people get to where they go. Richards acts as part of, of like the hands and feet of Jesus, practically speaking, as a deacon to help other people. But deacons do lots of other things in churches. Right? For instance, the, the, the church buildings and maintenance, all those things are supposed to be the work of a deacon. 
the opening and the closing and the turning of the lights on and off and making sure things are in order. Those are deacon responsibilities, even administrative duties. Okay? Pastors and, and elders, their jobs are to take care of theological um, operations, so to speak. Okay? And so in order to, for us to grow, in order for us to fulfill our mission, we need um, to grow our leadership towards becoming more, having more deacons. And we're, we're working on that. Number two, <clears throat> we're going to increase our focus on helping people to grow in their relationship to the church. It's kind of important. You see, there, there are people that break down in three kind of neat categories, okay? Um, number one, you have, you have your um, visitors who become attenders of the church, people who come here who worship, who love, you know, they're part of our church family. We love them. They love us. And some of them even become, you know, get really, really involved in things. But, but for some reason, they just won't become members. And that's it's okay, but the second category are members. <clears throat> now, members are people who are either baptized into this church um, or we receive them on the basis of the con- confession of their faith and their baptism from a other Bible-believing church. Now, being a member means that you're officially, legally part of the church body. And because of that, you have a voice in our, our church business meetings. But I think the most important part of being a member is that you're identifying yourself, that you are hanging your shingle saying, I am a part of this local body of believers. And this does two things. Number one, it helps me to invest my energies into this church, helping it to grow to maturity. And it gives me a body of believers who now have a vested interest in, in holding me accountable and helping me and ministering to me and helping me to grow to spiritual maturity as well. Now, the third category is what we call the active member, okay? And what I mean by active member, I'm not saying someone who's here all the time. An active member, what I'm saying, what I'm referring to is someone who not only attends regularly, but they are involved. They are plugged in, right? They've gotten involved in some kind of ministry. They're acting as those saints that are being equipped for the work of the ministry. And it is our aim to work on moving people from visitor to attender to member to active member, hopefully then some of them to deacons, right? Um, that's the goal where we're, where we're going here. Is we, because if we're going to fulfill the mission we, we, we have here, we, if we're going to do the things that God's calling us to do, we need more people who are, are, are saints that are being equipped and getting involved in the ministry of the church to build it up. Now, number three, we're going to focus on getting more of our church plugged into Bible studies. Because as much as I love Sunday morning, and as much as... Uh, I like to think that the words that I say will impact people's lives, right? Um, the the reality, reality is I, get, I have five minutes. I know, I know I go longer than that most of the time, okay? But really, 45 minutes to an hour a week is really all I got, right? And I'm telling you, you're not going to get all that you need theologically in that. You need to be plugged into a Bible study where you're not only listening to the Word, but you're part of the conversation. You can interact and learn and apply the Bible to your life. Number four, we're going to be working on on developing some short-term classes, some regularly scheduled classes um, and courses for people to take in order to get like a real biblical power-packed instruction for certain topics. For instance, uh, one of the topics that I like to do is get, start a six-week class um, that we do every so many months um, 
where people learn the statement of faith. We have a statement of faith, and it, it covers a lot of our foundational beliefs, and you would do well to learn that and, and, because you would really have an understanding of what, it, what our Christian faith is all about. And so there's a six-week class that's already pre-prepared, got books and everything, and we can teach that. And then when you leave there, then you will be like, you have a, a better understanding of those biblical Issues. I'm also thinking about teaching, you know, or setting up a class where we can where we can teach how people how to study the Bible. We did that 40 days in the Word, and I know for me, it personally transformed my my own life. Right? I know it has some of you, all, some others. I'd like to be able to make that a recurring class, you know, um, or to teach a four week new believers class. Say somebody becomes a new Christian, right? And maybe we take four weeks and we just kind of walk them through the basics of discipleship. Right? That's kind of some of the things that we're doing or we're looking at doing. And then number five, we're looking at taking technology and really focusing on integrating that into all of these areas. All right, We have been able to successfully use technology in a number of ways. Technology certainly has helped us get more done. It's helped us to be more creative. But we are really missing a lot of opportunities. I mean... If I'm the technology guy, then we are missing a lot of opportunities, okay? Um, but the reality is, is it'll help us to get more organized. It will increase our effectiveness in reaching, um, in, in, you know, in, in following up with people. It will help us to communicate better. Um, and it will certainly help us to spread the gospel uh, even more effectively. And so focusing on technology will create new and exciting ways to serve. Um, and it's a great way for our church to reach um, spiritual maturity. Now... With all that, I want to wrap up with this. Let's take a look around. I mean, just just kind of look around briefly. All that you see right here, it's all changing. All the people that you're seeing right here, they will all change. This group of people will change. And it's good because, because it means we're growing. God has a purpose for you And God has a purpose for this church. And I want to personally invite you to continue to come along on this adventure that God has set before us. And believe me, some days it's going to be exciting. Some days it's going to be fun. And some days it's going to be frustrating. And we're going to ask, what in the world are we doing? Some days um, there can be times of great joy and everything's going to work like technology did today. And then there'll be times when it's going to be irritating and frustrating and it all seems to fall apart. Like this one Sunday, I decided to go on vacation and the wind blows and like blows the electricity up over here, right? And blows up half of our equipment. Stuff like that's going to happen. But believe me, the journey is worth it. The goal, the vision is worth it. Because God's church is worth it. His glory is absolutely worth it. We are First Baptist Church. I want to invite you to jump into the fray and begin your own journey towards spiritual maturity and dream with me what this little church in Juan can be. So what does this mean for us? I mean, what does this tension between grace and truth have to do with us? I mean, Jesus, the Bible says, is full of grace and truth. What does that mean then for you and and for me and for this church? Everything. You see, 
We are to be spiritually maturing Christ followers, growing into the fullness of the image of Christ. Which means, if Jesus was full of grace and truth, then I need to be full of grace and truth. Which means you need to be full of grace and truth. And because we're the church, then the church needs to be full of grace and truth. And Christ is the example of that. In fact, let me show you what this looks like. It looks like this. No matter who you are, and no matter where you've been, and no matter what you've done, you are welcome here. That you are welcome in our building, that you are welcome in our community, and you are welcome in our lives. And we love you and care about you, and we're here for you, no strings attached. And understand, we're going to be honest with you, and we're going to tell you the truth. Because, because we love you, we will tell you the truth. We owe it to you, and we owe it to God to be real with you and honest with you, even if it hurts. And so we're going to tell you that drunkenness is killing your family and your relationships. That pornography is eating you up from the inside out. That jealousy and bitterness is going to destroy your family. That infidelity and adultery and lust and envy, all those things are sin. And those sins dishonor God. And that sin at some point will cost you something in your lives. A sin always does. We're going to tell you that in the way that you act at work, away from church and away from your Christian friends, that matters. The way that you treat your kids matters. The way that you talk to your spouse matters. The way that you treat strangers, especially those who are different from you, matters. But you also have to understand, we we don't condemn you. We don't hate you. We don't look down our self-righteous noses at you. In fact, we forgive you. We love you. More importantly, we identify with you and we're here for you and we're praying for you and you and your life is important to us and we want to help you. We want to help you draw close to the only one who can offer you any real hope at all and any real healing at all, which is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to help you to get to know who He is. And we're going to help you have a relationship with Him. We're going to help you begin to follow Him and to become a spiritually maturing Christ follower too. And we're going to tell you the truth because it's going to get hard. And at times, you're going to have doubts. And there'll be times you're going to wonder where God is. And there'll be times you're going to feel like you're failing God. And I'm going to tell you right now, there will be times you will fail Him. But we're going to give you grace. And we won't get offended by your doubt. And we won't get upset by your heart questions and we won't disown you when you fall down and make a mess of things we're going to love you and we're going to consistently remind you that Jesus loves you and he loves you so much that he died for you and when the road gets hard we're going to be here right here with you and no matter what happens we will be here all the while pouring into your life both grace and truth because we are a loving community of Christ followers, passionately in pursuit of Jesus, deeply connected to one another, completely committed to share the hope and the healing of the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world because we are First Baptist Church and you are welcome here. Let me pray for you. <clears throat> Lord God, press this upon our hearts. Give us the passion for your name. Give us the passion and desire for you. Help us, Lord God, to embrace the vision and the mission of this church. Help us individually, Lord God, to embrace spiritual maturity. Help us to want to desire a deeper, richer relationship with you. Help us to want to know you better. Help us to want to serve you better. Help us to stop 
and cast off these fruitless things in our lives who distract us, Lord. Help us to make you the very central focus of our lives. Help us to mature in our faith as we grow as a church to maturity. Raise up this people in this church, Lord God, who are willing to go out, who are not afraid, who are willing to go out and share the hope of Christ with their friends and with their co-workers and their family members and their fellow students, Lord. Raise up a people here, Lord God, who love you so much that they're willing to be uncomfortable, who are willing to, to be embarrassed for your namesake. Help us all, Lord God, to take seriously the commission. Help us all take seriously the growth to be mature. Help us all to grow, to know and be more like Jesus. And help this church to grow. 79 years ago, this church was planted. May it grow 79 more years. And may we grow, not just numerically, but may these lives be transformed with the glory of your name and your son. Love you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. for listening. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. And please consider partnering with us financially as we share the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ with our community and with the world.